like uh, Josh said, we are continuing in our uh, Signs of Life series. If you have your Bible, let me encourage you to open up to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be looking at just the two verses, 22 and 23, as we look at uh, the next sign of life, which is faith or faithfulness. So as we dive in this morning, uh, we have Paul that's writing this, this letter to the Galatian church, and and it's under really Paul's initial visit that the, the Galatian church had really kind of felt for the first time just all of this, this freedom from the slavery from the law. Remember, Paul has come in to, to this area. He has shared the gospel. So many of them have, have come to know the Lord, and this church has, has been put down. And, and all of these people are beginning to understand what it means to walk in a life that is free in Christ, so no longer living under the rules and the regulations of the law. Now, all of a sudden, what we find is Paul is writing this letter back to the Galatian church, and, and these people are falling back into line of trying to follow the law again. What's happened is if they, they have experienced the freedom, they are wanting to walk in the freedom of Christ, and all of a sudden, because it's so hard to touch that and to feel it and to see it and to wrap their arms around it, they're like, you know what? If we go back and begin to follow the law again, we really can see this checklist of what it means to follow what our perception of God is. And so Paul is writing this letter back to them saying, listen, this is not what it's about. You should be living in this freedom in Christ. And he begins to, to, to write to them in, in this fifth chapter in the book of Galatians. And he, he answers back to them really in three ways. In verse one of chapter five, Paul implores the Galatian church to stand firm in the freedom of Christ. This is how he begins to address it. In verses 2 through 11, he lists out these six negative consequences of what it means to return to the law. He's trying to let them know, listen, don't jump back into that. Here's all the negative things that can happen to that. And then in verses 12 through 26, which you guys have probably already been looking and reading through, Paul introduces this spirit-filled life and as a power to overcome sin and evil. And so he begins to list out these fruits of the Spirit. And this is where we pick up in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And we'll read it here. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so you guys have looked at the first few, and today we're looking at faith or faithfulness, depending on which version you're reading. Today I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard. And and in my Bible, it's listed as faith, but it's really just one Greek word, which is pistis, and it means both faith and faithfulness. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 1 puts it this way. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. This is a fundamental description of faith, and it includes being full of belief and confidence in God and all that God promises. This is what we see. This is how you describe what faith is, but it doesn't make it easy. It involves the way that we live our lives. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, this is what the believers in Galatia are starting to run to. It's, it's becoming harder and harder to live in this freedom in Christ because they don't see an end goal. They don't see anything that they're going for. They, they like the checklist model. They like to have the prayers, and they like to have the names of God, and like to have all of those things written down. And this is what you have to do for this sacrifice. This is what you have to do in order to be forgiven of your sin. Have all of these things. And so there's something very tangible about, tangible about living under the law. And those that are experiencing freedom in Christ for the first time, they're not able to wrap their minds and their heads around it. And so Paul is writing to them saying, listen, we, we don't walk by sight. 
These are not things that you can see. They're not tangible things. They're very much based on faith because it's in God. We see here in chapter 5 of Galatians in verse 22 and 23, we see these fruits of the Spirit just listed out here. And this is what I want you to understand here today as we begin to dive in this a little bit more, is that all of these characteristics are examples of who God is. Do you understand that? Do you, do you grasp that? There's something that we have to understand. God is never going to ask you to do something and to walk in a manner worthy of Him unless He first has that attribute. And He does. What does it say here in verse 22? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is God love? Yes, absolutely. He's the ultimate love. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all of our sins. And He expects us to walk in that same type of love back to Him. He loves us unconditional, we're to love him unconditionally. And even a step further than that, we're to love other people unconditionally. God is joy and expects us to have joy in him. God is patient with us, praise the Lord, and he expects us to be patient with him even when we're getting the answer that we want to have and so on and so forth. And this is what Paul is writing to not only the church in Corinth, but the church in Galatia about. It's like, look, listen, here are all of these fruits that come forth by walking in faith with God. And you gain all of these because this is who God is. Is he faithful to us? Absolutely is. As a believer in Jesus Christ, he promises to never walk away from us. He promises to always walk beside us, even when we can't see the things that are in front of us. Lamentations chapter 3 says this, is because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, or his mercies never end. They are new every morning. What great is your faithfulness. And this is what we see here with God. He calls us to be faithful to him because he is faithful to us. But the question becomes, well, how do I do that? If these God-fearing people here in the New Testament that Paul is writing to, if, if they can't walk by this type of faith, here's Paul that's walked in their midst and has been able to say, listen, this is what happened to me on the road to Damascus. This is what God did for me. This is who I talked with there. I mean, imagine having that conversation with Paul. If the people of Galatia can't walk in that type of freedom, how in the world am I supposed to do that? That's a great question. And I wish there was this real simple answer to give you, but I don't think there's anything that's real simple about it other than we just have to trust God. And isn't that easy to do when you're on the mountaintop? <clears throat> isn't it easy to walk into a place like this this morning and go, I love Jesus, I trust him, I've got complete faith in him. That's easy to do sitting in these chairs. But tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, sometime this week, sometime this month, sometime over the course of this next year, you're going to have to walk through a valley. You have to walk through a sickness. You have to walk through the death of a loved one, the loss of a job. You're going to have to walk through something that was completely unexpected, can we then say, I trust God and I have faith in him? James puts it this way in chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, in the same way, faith, it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. James has given us this example of what it means to have faithfulness in God. And it goes further than just claiming to believe in God. Faith pours out as pour, uh, faith pours out of us when we serve and we love others well. You see, here's one thing that we miss, I think, a lot of times, 
especially in today's world. We live in the Bible Belt, actually in the buckle of the Bible Belt of the South, right? I could walk out here on the sidewalk and say, hey, have you ever heard of God? Most people are going to say, yeah, I know who God is. Do you believe that there's a God? Most people are going to say in this area, yeah, I believe that there's a God. It's one thing to believe that there's a God. It's another thing to have complete and utter trust in how you walk in God. It's one thing to say, I believe in God. It's another thing to allow God to work in and through us in such a matter that others see us and they believe that we believe in God because they see it in how we walk. They see it in how we talk. They see it in how we treat others and how we love others. It flows from who we are. This is what it means to have faith in God. Listen, you can go to church all day long. You can wear a Jesus t-shirt all day long. You can sit in a small group. None of that amounts to having faith in God. There are plenty of people that do that all over this state, all over this nation, and all over the world, but they do not have complete faith in God. If we want to have true faith in God, then that means we have to serve other people. We have to love other people where they are, sharing the love of Jesus with those we come in contact with and believing that God's going to make a way when there seems to be no way. Those are all evidences that we have a complete faith in God. One of the greatest examples we see in this is, is in a man by the name of Abraham. If you've got your Bible, let me encourage you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at a couple of verses here, but... We're not going to go through the whole story of Abraham, but I want you to notice just a few things this morning in the story of Abraham. He's probably one of the greatest examples of faithfulness found in Scripture. It's a timeless demonstration of just commitment and willingness to believe God and to act on their beliefs. They had difficulties, sure. Did they fall? Sure. He and his wife, Sarah, absolutely they did. But all throughout the story of Abraham, his faithfulness in God never wavered. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 9. It says, By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. The question is how. How can I walk in a manner worthy that is faithfulness and having faith in God? Well, I think what we see in these two verses here this morning, I think we see in this model of Abraham, I think there's really three specific ways that we see. The first one of this, we can see this in Abraham and his model of faithfulness, is just the way that he lived. Look what it says in verse 9, by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise. If you were to go back and read the whole story of Abraham, you would understand that he was about 40 years old whenever God called him to move, just to pick up everything and to walk out and to move and to go to do something completely different in his life. And whenever he does that, he leaves everything behind. Abraham takes everything and just walks away. The only family that he has ever known, his inheritance, his country, uh, and go to a land that he had never seen. Really what Abraham is doing here is he's leaving all of his old associations behind. This is the way that he lived. And far too many times in our Christian walk, we try to have our cake and we try to eat it too. We try to have a foot into the world of being faithful to God, but then also a foot into the world of, of this is what the world wants from me. These are the things that feel good. These are the things that taste good. These are the things that are easy on my eyes. These are relationships that I want to be in because they're fun and they make me feel good and all this kind of stuff. But yet we still want the faithfulness of God. That's not how God works. 
God wants all of you or none of you. He will never accept part of you. And so whenever Abraham here himself, he completely changed everything that he did. And he left everything that was old behind in order to express his full faithfulness in God. We can't have a foot in both places. One of the ministries that we do at Inglewood and Jackson is a, is a hotel ministry. Um, we are partners with an organization called Scarlet Rope Project. It's an organization that fights human trafficking. And in Jackson, Tennessee, because of where we're located on the I-40 corridor, um, it is one of the top three places in the state of Tennessee for human trafficking. At one point, Jackson was above Memphis when it came to human trafficking, simply because of where we're located. And so we partner with the Scarlet Rope Project, and twice a month, we, we have about 400 meals that we deliver door-to-door to these four hotels right around our church. And uh, the Jackson Police Department comes in, does training with our teams, and the TBI, and the FBI, and the signs to look for, and things like that. And before I go any further, please understand, I'm not kicking down any doors and dragging anybody out, okay? There are nights that I'd like to do that, but for the most part, we don't do anything like that. We're really just a frontline defense. So we're passing out meals, we're praying for people, we're looking for signs, and, and if someone is wanting out of that lifestyle, there's a whole protocol that we go through, but for the most part, we're just talking and praying with people that come to the door. We take notes, we pass those on to the Scarlet Road Project. We've been involved in this ministry for about five years, and I can't tell you the number of times that I've stood at a door and there's been a woman standing there, and behind her, visible, or maybe even in the, the bathroom, back around, the guy that is trafficking her is in the room, or maybe it's a woman that's trafficking her. And the number of times that we have just offered help to that lady, and she just look at us with tears running down her face and just continue to look back behind her. And she begins to give us all the excuses. Well, if I leave him, he's going to hurt me. If I leave her, I'm not going to have a phone. I'm not going to have new clothes. If I leave him, I'm not going to know where I'm going to get my next fix. If I leave him, I don't know what my life looks like. And we begin to explain freedom. You can think for yourself. You can do for yourself. We can talk to you about a relationship with Christ. We can talk to you just about getting a job. We can talk to you about education. We can talk to you about getting back with your family, bringing your kids back into a home someday, and to watch those ladies just stand in that darkness, but to choose to stay in bondage when the freedom of Christ and the freedom of so many other things is staring at them and the light is just shining in their face and in their heart. It's heartbreaking. Over the last five years, I've come to realize that so many times in our walk, this is what happens with Christ. He stands and he offers freedom. And he's telling us, listen, if you'll be faithful to me, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to walk beside you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to carry you through. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's going to be difficult. There are going to be bad days. There's going to be even worse days. But I promise you that my faithfulness is never going to depart from you. And so many times people will look at him square in the face and say, no, I don't want that. I'd rather live in bondage. And what we see here with Abraham is just the way that he lived and the fact that he turned from all of that and said, God, I'm all in. I'm willing to live for you and to be faithful to you just as you are faithful to me. This is what it means to be faithful. 
that in everything that we do and the way that we live and the associations that we have, they all point to Christ. The old way of life and the old us and the old everything that we had that we let go of and there's no more bondage there and we're living in truth, faithfulness with Christ. This is where true freedom comes from. This is what we see from Abraham and his model of faithfulness and how he lived. I think there's a second way, second thing that we see here with his model of faithfulness is this, is just the company that he kept. Look again in verse 9. It says, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. Abraham stayed with those that were like-minded. He was always around people that had the same belief system that he did. They were men of the same spirit as himself, saved by the same grace, worshiped the same God, who lived for the same end, co-heirs with him of the promised land. These guys weren't playing religion. They weren't trying to check off any kind of boxes. They weren't playing around with their faithfulness to God. They were the walking epitome of faith in God. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. He says, if you want a merry evening, child of God, get together a half a dozen who are like yourself, God's children. If you want an evening that you can look back upon with delight, gather such a company together. Never mind how poor the believers are. Perhaps the poorer they are, the better it will be, for they will talk more freely with God. You want your faith in God to grow? You want your faithfulness to God to grow? Then we've got to get around people that think like us. That means that people that follow Christ with everything that they are. Does that mean that we can't be around non-believers? No, we're supposed to be because we have to show them Jesus Christ day in and day out. But if you want to be filled up with faithfulness, if you want your faith to grow in Jesus Christ, then we have to be with a body of believers day in and day out that share the same type of walk. What's even better is to be around people whose faith walk is farther along than yours. So you can ask questions. Hey, how did you get through this? How did you get through that? And allow them to share back with you. This is what we see with Abraham here. And my fear is that so many times that the company that we're trying to keep and the crowd that we're trying to run with is ultimately keeping us from having a faithful relationship with Christ. Listen, the company that we keep should always direct us and push us toward a faithful relationship with God, never away from God. If the relationships that we're keeping are pushing us away from God, then these are the type of relationships that we should be walking away from. They should always point toward Christ. And this is what we see with Abraham. We see it with the company that he kept. I think there's also a third and a final thing that we see here is this. Is this the home that he looked toward? The model of faithfulness that we see with Abraham, the home that he looked toward. Look in verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. We have Abraham here, and he expected a city which is ironic because here's a man that lived in tents. He didn't know anything about city life, but he longed and he looked for this great city, which is heaven. This is what we know about heaven. Heaven will be a city of fellowship where people meet with one another. We know that heaven is a great city. There'll be wide fellowship among a multitude that no person can number. We know that it's a city that's secure within its walls. We know that there's no adversary that will ever try to bring it under attack. We know that it's a place that has everything that believers will need and they will never lack. Isn't it interesting that Abraham was looking for this kind of city? He was looking for foundations. He was looking for 
some type of substance. This is a man that would take the pegs out of the sand and the dirt whenever he needed to move his flocks, and he would roll up the tent so that he could move it someplace else and set up camp for the night. There was nothing that Abraham owned that had any type of foundation. The only foundation that he had was his faith in God. You see, the world tries to put this list together for us that says, look, this is what you need. You need a job where you make about 150 or 200,000. You need a bank account that has this much money in savings. You need this type of house. You need this type of car. You need to have this type of job. Your family's got to look this way. Your house has to look this way. The backyard's got to, and the list just goes on and on and on. What the world tells us, here's the expectation. And so many times our faithfulness becomes in trying to model that because the world tells us that's what's going to make us happy. But in direct contradiction of that is here's God saying, listen, if you'll leave all that behind and not allow those tent pegs to go in any place solid, but if you'll just have faith and trust in me, listen, I'll build you a foundation for all eternity that no man will ever be able to come against. This is the foundation that Abraham is looking for. This is the city that he is longing for. This is the home that he looked toward, and it was a place with eternal love and eternal faithfulness and infinite power, endless bliss, immortal glory, make the foundations of the city forever strong, and to live this way takes faithfulness in God. I'm not going to ask you to do this, but if we went around the room this morning and I began to ask you, hey, have you thought about heaven this morning? Have you longed for it? Did you start your day with God, here we are one more time. I'm going to go into your house. I'm going to worship you. But man, I'm longing for a city that has foundations. Listen, don't we live in a broken world? Don't we live in a world that's full of diseases that we can't fix? It's full of hurts. It's full of wrongs. It's full of sin. It's full of brokenness. Listen, those things should forever be keeping our minds and hearts pushing and longing toward a city that has foundations that can never be broken. Because there's coming a day in which he's going to set this great city up, and as long as we are faithful to him, he's going to provide a place for us. Faith and faithfulness to God changes our lives. And listen, the more faith that we have in God, the more faithful he's going to continue to be with us and the more he's going to draw us into him and the more freedom that we can live with. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. He says, legalists in our churches today warn that we dare not teach people about the liberty we have in Christ, lest it result in religious anarchy. The Christian who lives by faith is not going to become a rebel Quite the contrary, he's going to experience the inner discipline of God that is far better than the outer discipline of man-made rules. This is what the church of Galatia is dealing with right now. All of these man-made rules. You have to live like this and walk like this and act like this and put all of these things on and to do this sacrifice and to do that. And Paul comes onto the scene and is like, listen, because of Jesus Christ, you've got freedom. You can do away with all of that. And the world is trying to teach us that the more freedom you have, the more you can do on your own. That's in direct contradiction of the word of God. God's telling us the more freedom you experience in and through Jesus Christ, the more you'll want to follow Jesus Christ. 
The more faithful you are to God, the more faithful he will be to you, and you will want to follow him more. You will want to serve him more. You will want to love other people more because in everything that you do, you will not want to do anything but reflect who God is and what he's done in your world. Listen, if you're in this room this morning and you know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you know that he has changed you from the inside out, listen, then we can be faithful to him because he promises that he will be faithful to us. Do we have these things? And listen, I'm not talking about a checklist. I'm not, I'm not asking you to go down and go, man, I've got those three things. I'm living a life faithful to God. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, do you truly have faith in God? I mean, first and foremost, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's step one. You can't be faithful to God unless you've experienced salvation by accepting his son as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you have done that this morning, then listen, what kind of associations are you keeping? You turned away from those past? Are you still trying to walk in both lanes? That's not what we're called to do. We have to be all in for God. Even on the days that it's hard, we have to be all in. Are you longing for something better? Listen, can I tell you that I'm longing for something better? I truly am. And I want to long even more because I'm not made for this place. If you ever heard that saying? If you're ever walking through as a believer, especially in this world, and you feel like you're lacking something, you are, because you're not made for this place. We're made for a city with foundations. And that's what we should long for. And that's what we should be faithful to God for, because ultimately, he's gonna call us home one day. How we live here on this earth is a direct reflection of our, of our faithfulness to God. We're walking around in a dark and a dying world. They need to see and hear about our faithfulness to God.